0: One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.
1: Through 25 seasons. 4,561 episodes. I believe The Oprah Winfrey Show is one of the greatest classrooms in the world.
2: I really never thought of it
1: that way. The aha moments the breakthroughs,
2: the LOLs,
1: the connections, the occasional ugly cry.
2: I miss him so terribly. I miss him every single minute.
1: The moments that mattered, the eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. So if you are married and watching this right now, or you're in a serious relationship, or looking for lasting love in your life, this is a show that you need to sit down and watch. Put down the vacuum cleaner. (laughs) Yes, Dr. Harville Hendricks is one of the best therapists we have ever had on this show, because he really knows how to help couples get to the core, I mean, the the deep-rooted reason of what is really causing the pain and conflict in their marriage. His groundbreaking tools and techniques, I believe, can also help you understand the hidden reason you pick your partner and show you how to heal your relationship. You changed my relationship when you were on here. I got it. Yeah, you I got, got it. it. Yeah. Help you heal your relationship and yourself. <clears throat> it really is a whole new way of looking at your marriage. His best selling book, which really has become a classic, is called Getting the Love You Want. I can't recommend it highly enough. Recently, something very interesting happened in Dr. Hendrix's personal life. He says that his techniques were put to the test when his own marriage was in crisis. Harvel's wife of 20 years, Helen LaCelley-Hunt, is also here. We're happy to have you here with us. Thank you. Helen. She's Harvel's partner and, in life and work, and has co-authored four books with him. How did your marriage end up on the brink of divorce?
3: I think we were writing about conscious marriage, but we were unconscious that we were putting our energy into, A, our family. We had six children, mm-hmm. a blended family. Mm-hmm. We also had these burgeoning careers. And we thought we were doing it, and, but without paying, putting energy into the personal side of our relationship and emotional erosion took place until it reached a crisis.
1: And what was the crisis, Helen?
3: Well, I would phrase it that um, there was a split going on between what the public looked like and, and what it was like at home. Uh-huh. And Harville and I knew every marriage theory, and we knew amago backwards and forward, but we didn't know how to know it in our relationship. And amago um, is a form of couple counseling that suggests that marriage is therapy, that you become healed, not by the therapist, but by your relationship, your primary love relationship.
1: I know. That's changed my relationship because, and you all, if you get it today, you will see that you end up drawing to yourself. It's almost like it's unbelievable. It's like an electrical current. Everybody draws, and think about this in your own life, you draw to yourself the partner that most can reflect and help you to heal the wounds of your past. Yes. And your issues from Mm. the past come up over and over and over again Mm -hmm. with your significant other. And you don't recognize it because it's disguised in the marriage. And that's what you're going to see with these couples today, where they actually got it. You begin to figure out, oh, where have I felt this feeling before? And you just somehow end up drawing to yourself the person who can most Bring out up all, bring up all your stuff.
3: Yes, it's like you know unconsciously what you need, and if you knew consciously what you know unconsciously, you wouldn't want it. Right. But uh, because you and picked the person, and it's disguised during that romance. It's period. disguised doing the romance, and and when it's and then the issues that weren't met in childhood show up in the marriage. It's like, my God, is this the person that I married? Uh, but it is the person your unconscious chose because the purpose of marriage is to finish childhood.
1: Okay. Now, see, a lot of people didn't know that. They thought, a lot of people think the purpose of marriage is to live happily ever after.
3: And you will live happily ever after if you finish childhood. If you finish childhood. If you finish childhood.
1: Okay. So we're talking with Dr. Harville Hendricks about how to create a more intimate and secure marriage, a marriage without blame, a marriage without shame, a marriage without criticism. Dr. Hendricks says that we unintentionally choose partners who we think can heal unresolved pain from childhood. It's not even just unintentionally. It's
3: unconsciously. It's unconscious. Right. It's out of your awareness. There's a part of you scans the environment and knows exactly who will activate your childhood wounds.
1: And it happens with everybody.
3: happens with everybody. who had any difficulties in childhood, and so far as we know, everybody did. Everybody did. Everybody did.
1: <laughs> okay, now meet Brad and Stacy Rogers. Like many couples, they have thought about divorce as they struggle to make their marriage work, and now they say they are desperate to stop the endless arguments and the power struggles.
2: Brad and I met in high school. We are high school sweethearts. We've been together for 12 years. Married eight and a half. My
4: relationship in the beginning with Stacy was awesome and we had a lot of fun.
2: When Brad proposed to me and we decided to get married, I thought that we would live happily ever after. A month ago, we were about to split up. We were both talking about separating.
4: Divorce comes up when we uh, get into some fights. We call it the D word.
2: I feel hopeless and sometimes I feel like I should just give up. I feel like we're Just kind of roommates.
4: I get so frustrated and mad, and this this is the wall that we build. One of the biggest fights that we have is how this house should be run.
2: I guess I just thought that if I was going to be gone, I could trust you to get stuff done, and you didn't do any of it.
4: Well, what you expect me to do and what is normal are two different things.
2: No, because I came home from my trip, and you were an asshole. He said that my vacation was over. And... I'm at
4: work five days a week. You're at home. You think you could have, you know, it would be easier for you to do? No,
2: when you're home, you could help.
4: Sometimes I just feel like that her little slave boy, you know, do this, do that.
2: Brad does enough for him.
4: Stacy seems to me to be a very controlling person.
2: I feel like I just am not heard.
4: Can we just forget about it? Please. Her body language drives me crazy. She'll stand over me and almost talk down to me.
2: Brad and I are very competitive.
4: Neither one of us wants to back down. You know, we got to fight to win this, otherwise we feel walked on.
2: I can remember in one of our arguments where Brad said to me that he hoped I enjoyed being a single mom, and that really scared me.
4: I don't want to get a divorce. I never have.
2: If we don't reconnect and communicate better, my biggest fear is that we'll give up.
4: The most important thing for me in my life is to know that I was a good husband, you know, a good father.
2: My marriage is very important to me, and Brad is very important to me. and he tells you that it's so stressful <laughs> that um, you know, you lose yourself, you lose your relationship. I hate that over the years we've gotten
1: lost in all this stuff. Dr. Hendricks says, like all couples, Stacy and Brad uh, chose each other to fill their unmet childhood needs. Say that again, because everybody doesn't get what you're saying when you say that.
3: That every person unconsciously has inside them a, a a little image, we call it an imago, that is used to filter out all the people who don't fit the imago and filter in everyone who does. That imago is about, is a little picture of your parents, a collage of your parents. So when you meet somebody whose character structure, whose personality traits are similar to your parents, the combination of them, that little um, inner image goes tingling, that's it, that's the person. So that's what Even activates the attraction. Even if you want attraction.
1: somebody to not be like your parents. Yes.
3: You w- in fact, you. but you're not attracted to somebody not like your parents. At the conscious level, you don't want anybody like your parents, at least right. many people don't. Right. But at the unconscious level, What the psyche apparently needs, and I don't understand why is that, is somebody like your parents in order to finish working through the issues unresolved with your parents. You have to work it through with somebody. It's your
1: parent or whoever was the caretaker in your life, right? It could
3: could be. Many people are raised by people not not their parents.
1: And so you don't know that when you're marrying the person standing there in your pretty dress.
3: Most of us knew that. We'd walk away probably from the wedding.
1: All right. So we talked to Brad and Stacy about their childhoods to see if there were clues to what is causing the problems in their marriage.
2: I think the biggest thing that drives me is that I felt like it wasn't equal in my house growing up. Communication in the family I grew up in was closed. There was no discussion or reasoning. As a child, I often didn't feel heard, so I would rebel.
4: Growing up, I felt a little bit lonely. There wasn't that constant assurance that, um, you know, Mom loved me and cared for me. I didn't see my stepfather and my mother be as affectionate as I would have liked to have seen them. I always looked for it. She'd just smother me constantly. She had to be in on every little thing. I felt like I had a lot of anger issues. I was always mad or um, depressed. A couple years ago, I called my mother up on the phone, and I said, Mom, I love you. And uh, she said, "Uh, "Okay, I'll talk to you later. And uh, I I just couldn't believe it.
1: What do you want to say, Harville?
3: Well, that this is a a really wonderful example of of the repetition. Something Another way we put it is babies are connected to themselves, to their parents, to the world when they're little. And when the needs are not met, the connection is ruptured. That creates pain. There's a rupture. And all of our lives, we want that connection restored, because it's our connection not only to ourselves, to our context, but to the universe. And when when I hear you all talking about uh, how neither one of you were really felt heard, you hear the word not connected to.
1: But isn't this all about, you know, the connection over the years? With every show, everybody, no matter what the subject is, people just want to know that they matter. Yes. In every relationship. Absolutely. Significance. W- you want to know that I matter to I matter. you. I, I want to know that I'm i
3: matter to you. I matter to you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly Isn't that, it? that. Yes.
1: Isn't that it? That's a lot of it. I think that's it.
3: And when I'm pre- and when I'm talking and you're not there,
1: yeah. I don't matter. So when I'm talking and you're not listening to when I do things and I come home and the, like I hear this a lot, and I come home and you haven't cleaned the house or the things aren't done, that is a direct reflection of how you feel about me. People that's think, right. That's yeah. right. Is that, that's what you mm-hmm. think. And
3: oh. so sometimes you rebel. And sometimes you withdraw in order to deal with not feeling matter. Okay.
1: Dr. Hendricks right. says everybody can create a healing and loving relationship without blame and confrontation. He has taught Brad and Stacy a technique called intentional dialoguing. And then he helped them make the connection between the pain in their marriage and the pain in their childhood. It's always connected to something else. Yes. It's not just somebody who's ticking you off in that right. moment. It's not.
3: Right. Ever. It depends on the intensity of the energy. Okay. It could it could be that uh, you know somebody steps on your toe. It just hurts.
1: Or leaves the refrigerator door. Or open. leaves the refrigerator
3: door open. Yeah. I mean, there there's certain things. But if it's repetitive and it's intense, you know, it's got roots, and the roots go way back.
1: Okay. So it's the same if it comes up over and over again. Over and
3: again. over again. And it's intense. It's got energy attached to it. Okay.
1: It took nearly three hours, but Dr. Hendricks helped Stacy get to the core of her frustration in the marriage. She thought it was Brad's lack of help around the house and with the children. Both Stacy and Brad were surprised to discover the real cause.
2: When you brush me off like that and tell me to, you know, shut up or let's not talk about it anymore, it makes me feel not heard, not important, and it hurts.
3: It hurts and reminds me of.
2: It reminds me of growing up, I guess.
1: In order to uncover her buried pain, Dr. Hendricks had Brad play the role of Stacy's father when she was a frustrated 8-year-old.
3: Stay in 8 right now. What you wanted from him at 8.
2: I just want to be myself. I just want to be, I just want to be me. Women or girls need to be heard. I need to be heard. Yeah, stay with that. Not just heard, not just listen and then brush me off. Really heard. My opinions matter, my thoughts, my feelings, everything I think is just as important as anybody else's.
3: So now tell him when I don't feel important to you, um, that really hurts, and tell him about that hurt
2: When I don't feel important to you, it makes me feel unworthy.
3: Mm-hmm. and can you take that further? and when I feel unworthy, what comes after that?
2: When I feel unworthy, i don't, I don't feel like I should exist mm. I know, I should exist.
1: Later, Dr. Hendricks had Brad connect Stacy's childhood wounds to her frustration in their marriage.
4: So, if I got this right, when I do brush you off, it reminds you of growing up and of your of your father. Is that right? Yeah,
2: of not being heard.
4: And not being heard. And seeing that just made me f- understand, and it, it makes sense to me now. That I should never discount your feelings and make sure that I give you my attention and know that your opin- opinion does matter to me and it is important.
1: You see the connection? When Brad doesn't listen to Stacy, it stirs up feelings of unworthiness But you didn't even recognize that until going through all this, right? Okay, I'm sensing there are a lot of people watching right now who are saying, why can't he just clean up the kitchen and be done with it and <laughs> Let's not have to go look at all of our past pain and what's yeah. underneath that and what's yes. underneath that because if the kitchen was cleaned up, it would be okay.
3: And in a sense, it would be okay because there's a symbolic connection um, right now for Stacy between cleaning up the kitchen and caring for me. It's not that if I clean up the kitchen, that's in itself an intrinsically valuable thing. It has a symbolic power. And when you don't do it, then she experiences that deepest feeling. Now, it could be around something else. It could be that he comes home late. It could be that he watches TV. But for her, the symbolic meaning, for reasons we didn't explore, but the symbolic meaning is around helping with the house.
1: You all get all this? You know when you're fighting about the stuff, it's not about the stuff. It's about whatever's underneath the stuff. That's right. And it's up to you to figure out what that is. Yes. Okay. Brad and Stacy say they've been going to counseling for years but never saw results until now. Really? How is yes. this helpful to you? What was it? Big light bulb. Well, I mean, with
4: most counselors, you uh, go on a week, you know, weekly basis, maybe once a month, Mm -hmm. and you work out the problems that you've had, you know, but they're always the surface problems. They're never um, the deep problems, and if once you get to the deep problems, the surface problems, they just don't even make sense to fight about anymore, Mm -hmm. because you understand the person better. Okay, I
1: want you to be heard, so what do you want to say?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, he, the thing that helped us the most is the tools. I mean, giving us, the tools to use in the future. I mean, we, we've been to counseling, and, and just for him to tell us, you know, I can tell Brad, I'd like to dialogue with you. And he knows that that means we're going to sit down, and he's going to give me his full attention and listen to me.
1: And because Dr. Hendrick says intentional dialoguing is the crucial, crucial communication technique that yes. helps couples like Brad and Stacey. What do you call it? Intentional dialoguing. Yeah. Right. move beyond painful arguments and your power struggles and he's going to explain the three steps of intentional dialoguing which are
3: well mirroring uh, validating and being empathic mirror means I'm listening without judging I'm listening without distorting it's like I've got a, a flat mirror validation means and I'm listening deep enough now I'm getting your inner world you make sense to me." Everybody makes sense. When
1: you say mirror, does it mean that he then repeats back to her yes. what she has like, said? Right, L- right. That's what he was doing. Yeah, right. that's
3: okay. That that's would be the example. He would say, let me see if I'm getting that. Mm-hmm. Then he would say, if I'm getting it, you are really upset because I didn't do the dishes, didn't come home in time, and so forth. Am I getting that right? Okay. And uh, is there more? In fact, thank you, thank you for bringing in the practical step there, because the is there more step is the most critical step of, of the early part, because most of us don't want any more. <laughs> we, we've had enough with the first round. So to say, well, is there more about that? Then she's going to go to a deeper level and say something about her deeper feelings and what that means to her and so forth. Then he says, OK, I've I got that. Let me see if I've got all that. And he summarizes it. And then he says, well, you know, having heard all that, I get it. It makes sense to me that when I don't do the dishes, you don't feel loved. And is it, that it. That's the validation. That's the validation. I get it. your truth. Okay. That's the truth for and you. I
1: will tell you, I will say this again, that in all my experience and all these years of talking, I believe that's what all people are looking for. Absolutely. Validation. Validation. You want to be heard yes. and you want to be validated. Do I, I make you, sense? Do I make sense? Do I make sense? Isn't that you find that true? In all of your arguments, that's what you're really looking for is valid. Validation.
3: It's not enough just to be heard. I mean, right. most of us talk about, well, you know, I'm heard, but do, am I not crazy? Yeah. Do you see that I'm not crazy, yeah. that I make sense? I know
1: a lot of women I've heard say that, do I'm not crazy. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Okay, right. okay, and the but third step, and the third step. And then step.
3: once you validate and you say, well, yeah, I get it that uh, when I don't do the dishes uh, or don't do the housework, you feel unloved or, or the like, I'm not there. Uh, empathy is the expression of the feeling I can imagine that must make you feel really lonely or make you feel sad or make you feel angry which feeling is it and she'll say well makes me feel worthless oh it makes you feel worthless so then he steps into that worthless place with her and then she knows he exists for her at that moment They, that's what we call, that's a connection, Connection. that's That's a connection. connection. Well,
1: you know what? This is so interesting because I know you wrote the book for children, too. Yes. That's why I was trying to call you to get you to come back on to do this with kids. And you said, no, you were working on your own marriage. um, I'm sorry. I I appreciate it. I'm glad. We we got it done. Uh, But this works whether you're 2 or 52.
3: We all need to be seen. We all need to know that we are of worth to somebody.
1: You know, one of the most impressive things I heard was Toni Morrison, when we were doing um, a show with her on the Bluest Eye, she said she learned early on with her kids when she was, you know, working and writing and whatever, that um, she was doing some of the same things that you all were talking about in your marriage, disconnecting. Mm -hmm. And she learned that the most important thing you can do for a child is ask yourself, do my eyes light up
3: when you come in the room? When
1: you come in the room. Yeah. Because that's what every kid is looking for, to see. Do your eyes light up when I come into the room? Mm-hmm. So can you do that for your children? Because that's, that's, yeah. that's how you keep the connection. Right. Right. And that's what you're also looking for in your marriage. Don't you see couples out where you know their eyes haven't lit up in a long time? A long time. They're sitting out at the restaurant. <laughs> They're not talking. <laughs> they go through the whole dinner. Nobody says anything to anybody. Right. Either they go home. You're wondering, what is that car ride like? <laughs> well, thank you, Brad and Stacey. Good luck to you both. This is Sonia and her husband, Leonard. Sonia says that she is angry because the romance is gone, and her husband is not living up to her expectations.
0: When I first met Leonard, he was a lot of fun. (laughs) Things used to be for us wonderful. He would give me cards. It says, you deserve to hear this more often. I'll always love you very much. I
5: miss the way it used to be.
0: There is what I would consider no romance now. I know it tapers down, we do have children now, but I didn't expect it to completely come to a standstill. Being that my wife
5: is a romantic, sex is very, very important in our relationship. I mean, I enjoy it. The only problem is I don't need as much as she does, to be perfectly honest.
0: It's not just about sex, sex is, to me, sex will automatically come with the romance. So that's not even the issue, it's the romance.
5: She's concerned about romance, and I'm concerned more about finance. I had a lot of goals set for age 40, and here I turned 39 this past October. And I haven't done a very good job of implementing the steps to reach those goals.
0: It drives me crazy that my husband, Leonard, is not a go-getter. And I think it has come to the forefront because of the issues that we're dealing with. Leonard is very much like my father. He's passive. And he's passive until it gets to a breaking point.
5: Sometimes Sonia can be, uh, she can be pretty hard. And she's hard on those that she loves.
0: I definitely feel like I'm on a merry-go-round because it is the same thing that's been going around and around. He apologizes for the same thing. I definitely feel like I'm trapped that I will go crazy, and I'm angry. I'm angry that he doesn't see it as important enough to really put forth the effort to make this work. The frustration makes me feel alone, and it makes me feel sad. Divorce was right at my doorstep, and there were many evenings that I thought, he's gonna come home and I'm not here. Something to jolt him to say, what I'm feeling is real. It's very real and you need to pay attention. I want to see some work. I want to see some action.
1: Harville says there's not enough passion in Sonia and Leonard's relationship because there is no emotional safety. What do you mean?
3: Well, a uh, safety, um, means I can be around you and, and, uh, and relax my defenses. I, I, I sense that when I walk in the room, you're going to say, hey, you know, um, you're OK. In some way, you'll communicate that to me. But when there's no emotional safety, you walk into each other's presence and you don't know what's going to happen. It could be pleasant. It could be unpleasant.
1: Is what he's saying ringing true for you? Yes. It does, OK? Definitely, uh-huh. definitely. And how so? I think what he just said, that was real just now. Really? When he
0: walks into a room, I don't know what to expect. I don't know if he's on a high that day, if he's on a low that day, and how I'm going to be received. I constantly have a lot of things going on in my head mm-hmm. that I just want to yap about. Mm-hmm. I mean, just crazy things or just things that matter to me for the moment. Uh-huh. And if he's at a low, let's say, for that day, he's not going to hear me. Right. And I'm not talking about just hear me. I'm talking about hear me, stand still. A lot of times while I'm talking, he'll be, okay, okay, and and walking. Mm -hmm. And that's an issue for me.
3: And the thing that makes most relationships unsafe is the criticism. It's amazing how easy we all can criticize. Yeah. That is making the other person wrong or bad. And when when we do that, you know, you're not safe.
1: Okay. Leonard, do you feel emotionally safe? At times, no. You don't uh, either? No.
5: No. I feel alone mm-hmm. a lot of times. Um, it seems that I have all this responsibility, and um, no one is taking the time to understand me or my hurt or just goals. not there for or me. Goals. My goals yeah. I just don't uh, feel important.
0: Mm. Well, this might kind of sound negative, but he can have the goal. Right. I'm the person who will find the ways to get to that goal, yeah. we will create the ways, the steps. And my point is, if you really want this goal, you'll do the steps. Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't have to be my steps, even if we work through the steps, but I can help you kind of formulate the steps. That, but if you're not going to do it, then my question is, do you really want this goal? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So you have to ask him about that. What happens for you when she does that, when she does the steps and says, walk in them?
5: I think if she would lovingly approach me <laughs> and say, these are the steps I think, honey, mm-hmm. that will work, yeah. <laughs> yeah. there would yes. be an absolute <laughs>
3: right.
5: adhesion to that.
3: Yeah.
5: That's what I feel.
3: So somehow the way she sets it up makes it feel unsafe for you and probably makes it feel like it takes away some of your power.
1: After many hours of digging, Sonia uncovered one of the painful triggers in her marriage. It is something that her husband, Leonard, says to her.
0: For you to even form your lips to say, you know, I'm hard or, you know, I'm too aggressive or I'm hurt and I'm stunned, that hurts that you would think that
1: I'm just this hard person. After she understood that, it was easy to trace her feelings back to a deep childhood
0: wound. I immediately flash back to my family when he has said that. The connection is immediate. It's the family that has told me this many times. You're very, you know, aggressive. You're very outspoken.
1: Then Sonia connected that childhood pain back to her marriage.
0: So knowing that about my childhood, when you say that in the course of an argument with me, That hurts me to my core, to the deepest part of me that hurts, because I feel like you took something very delicate with me and you've thrown it in my face. What I'm hearing from you is if if you hear these words, uh,
5: uh, aggressive or assertive, it made you feel really belittled or, or small.
1: The final step was for Sonia to ask her husband for a gift to help heal her wounds.
5: The gift that I will give to you is I won't use those words that will bring up those old childhood wounds to hurt you. I will use different words to heal and to love and to strengthen. That's my gift.
1: That's pretty powerful.
3: Yeah. The, the, the learning how to transform a frustration into a request is also one of those premier skills, because most of us go around saying, you don't do so-and-so, or you're hard. And what we mean is, I want something I'm not getting. OK. And if you say, well, what is it that I want that I'm not getting? I'm trying beating you up to get it, but of course, you're not going to give it to me the more I beat you up. If you translate the frustration into the wish, like, when so you if everybody
1: say, watching right now, I mean, there are, I know, millions of people who are watching. A lot of them are women who are feeling this frustration yes. about their husbands who don't commun- communicate. So how do you transfer that into a positive thing?
3: And you say, well, I, I don't know what is behind your hard, but my guess is is I would like you to be more loving. So if he said, in, in, if instead of saying, hey, you're being hard right now and kind of cruel and, so, and cold, if you would say, you know, right now, could I, could I make a request? Would you, would you come and touch me? Would you come and hug me? Or would you say something, would you say a kind word to me?
1: And so you're saying what you, instead of telling me what I'm not getting, you should tell me what you really want. What
3: you really want. In positive, specific, concrete language, so I know. It's hug me. Honey. Honey. Speak to me, (laughs) say honey, and then touch me. and, And you have to be specific, like touch me on the cheek, hold me this way, do it once a day for four weeks. Uh, so that I know you're there. Smile at me when you come through the door. Do that. So that you begin then to practice being present, practice being conscious with your partner of what your partner needs when you approach them. And you've got to keep, just keep working at it until a shift occurs in which you can see your partner without judgment and without criticism and love that reality.
1: Well, see, one of the reasons why I love your work and Helen's work is because, and it's the reason why I tell people not to get married, at early ages, is because I think we get married for the wrong reasons in this country. A lot of people get married because they want the wedding. Yeah. They want the <laughs> right. pretty day. They want the happy ever after. Right. They want somebody who's going to love them forever. But what I love about the Imago theory is it lets you see that marriage is really a completion of your yes. other life, your childhood. It's That's to right. heal yourself.
3: Right. To heal yourself. It's Something wonderful and powerful is going on uh, in that... You know, in romantic love, one of the things that we are aware of is that you feel in romantic love what your own um, authentic nature would feel like if you weren't wounded uh-huh. so that's why it's so wonderful and you want it back but then you're not capable of holding it it's like yeah. you've got a,
1: nobody can hold it, nobody Isn't that can true? hold it nobody can hold it but
3: you go into the relationship and then it goes all bad you get into the power struggle but if you'll learn dialogue learn to be present learn what each other's wound is and begin to heal that then you can hold that energy, because it's our, it's our energy. It's not coming from somewhere else. It's how we feel when we are not, not in wounded. touch with our wounded. That's right. And then you get that back, and that's what we call the relationship of your dreams. You just want to hang out together then because it feels great.
1: Sonia has a question for Dr. Hendricks about how to deal with her anger, which is,
0: I do get angry when he doesn't do what we've talked about for so long, mm. what I've verbalized to him for so long that I'm wanting or needing. Yeah. And, um, A lot of times, we go off into our corners, because for me to continue with that anger, I'll just be mean. I mean evil, just say things. And so I've learned to be quiet. So what do I do when I have all this anger and frustration?
3: There are two things. One is you need to think about how to ask him how you can say what you're saying to him in such a way that he won't withdraw, that he will, uh, will respond. Like we said earlier, there's probably a way you're saying it that triggers something in him from his childhood. So he has to protect himself because of this inner drama in himself from what he's experiencing with you because it feels like the drama is outside. Because you're bringing all that
1: up for him. You're Mm -hmm.
3: bringing all that up. So you really have to get him to tell you how you could talk to him so that he could hear you and respond to it. (laughs) And one thing he's already said is say, Honey. honey you know, in a a kind and and loving sort of way. The second thing is... He
1: means more than honey, though. He means the spirit
3: in which it comes. Absolutely. He means
1: the spirit in which it comes.
3: Coming out of of gratitude and graciousness and love. The other thing is to think about is when somebody's not doing something you want them to do and you get really angry, you have to think about what this is triggering in your childhood and that something was triggered there about you're not being able to get somebody to pay attention to you. And anger was your way of defending against that or dealing with that. You escalate your anger. Because
1: anger is always a mask for pain, is it not? Always. Always.
3: Always a mask for pain. When anybody's mad, right. underneath it is hurt. It's a, it's and you've got to go to the hurt. So what was the hurt for you? And you might talk you to... You realize um, that,
1: right? Anytime you're angry, you're really hurting. Right. Okay. Yeah. I do.
3: So you might share that. Um, and you might ask her, well, what? Wh- how is it hurting you? When uh, what happens to you when I don't respond Ooh, the way you want me to? This is a lot of
1: work, ain't
0: it? Well, can I say one thing that yes. I did? and what did you tell do? me Ooh. that? Okay, we went out to eat, and he Since has you've this. Been here? Yes. Yes. And he has this thing I call time delay. Time, time delay. delay. We have a conversation, and I'm going on. Oh, and let's just say I'm talking about booze. I could be talking about anything, and I talk with a lot of passion when I talk. And he's looking at me. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, nothing. Just yeah. looking at me.
3: Yeah.
0: I finish. And he's still looking at me. Yeah. There's no, mm-hmm. Oh, and I thought, I get infuriated. I just go crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't say anything. But mm-hmm. I will just shut down. I'll stop talking because I'm going, yeah. I don't know if you heard a word I said. Yeah. So this is what I did.
3: Yes, what did you we do?
0: We didn't talk for, you, you talked about going to a restaurant. You want to hear the ride. There was no talking through the rest of the restaurant because I figured you're not talking back to me. We shut it down. We ate our meal. That was it. So I figured, OK, we tried to put, Let me. let me think. So I made a joke out of it. What I do now is, I'll talk about something, and if he's not giving me any, after I'm done, I just start counting. One, two, <laughs> and then he'll start, he'll start talking. Uh-huh. So.
3: Because he knows you're waiting. Right. Yeah. But
0: I just, and I don't do it mean, but I just start counting, like one, two, and he, by two, he starts talking.
3: Well, could I just give you a, a comment about how to break, <laughs> oh, by the time you get to two, so it's really not very long. <laughs> So what you've, what you've learned is intuitively what you really need to do, and that is to have some signal that you want his attention. And one way you could do it is, I'd like to talk with you and would you mirror back what I'm saying? And he can say, well, you know, I'm thinking about finances and I'm doing this sort of thing, and it's going to be really hard for me to get here. Or he could say, oh, oh okay, um, I can listen. Does that make sense? Yes.
1: Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> Uh, Dr. Hendricks' book is Getting the Love You Want. I appreciate you all letting us talk about your life and know that therapists and human beings are human too and have to work through their marriages. And thank you to Brad and Stacy and Sonia and Leonard for having the courage really to share their own stories with us today. Thank you for doing that. Appreciate you all. Good to have you back.
3: Thank you. It's great to be here. Great to have you back. Thank you for having me.
1: Bye, everybody. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah show, The Podcast. And I thank you for listening.